BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome back to another episode of Friend of a Friend. It's your host, Liv Perez. I am recording this way ahead of time because as you guys know, I have just left for Europe for the last three weeks of summer. I'm so excited. We're doing some wedding planning over here, meeting up with a ton of friends and family, and I'm just so excited to be back in Europe. It's my first time back, truly, in what feels like since COVID. I went to Milan for Fashion Week, but I wasn't I wasn't emotionally and spiritually there. So I'm really excited to be back on this trip, enjoying my time with my fiance, with my friends, and I'm just so excited to be here. But so with that being said, I've recorded some amazing episodes for you guys to enjoy throughout the month of August, starting with one of my all-time favorite content creators, Valeria Lipovetsky. She is truly one of my favorite creators on the internet. She is so funny. She's so stylish. And she's always truly just unapologetically herself. She showcases her daily life to her almost 6 million followers across TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram. But what I always have found most interesting about her, and what so many people might not know, is that Valeria has built an incredible team of people around her. She's really pioneered this idea that content creators can and should be run like a true business. So in today's episode, Valeria takes us inside Valeria Inc. from her CEO to the social media team and how they all work together to create a true media company that we get to enjoy every day. We also talk about her best advice for aspiring and current content creators. I learned so much from her in this episode and insights into how she's scaling her business to create longevity in social media. I hope you guys love today's episode. If you don't follow Valeria on Instagram, go shoot her a follow. She's so funny. I also love her TikTok and have so much fun over there. So make sure you follow her there too. If you haven't followed the show yet, make sure you follow us and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're listening on Spotify, please leave us a five-star review. For more behind the scenes, follow me on Instagram. I'm at Liv Perez with two Vs. As you guys know, we drop new episodes every Monday. So I'll see you guys again next week. And here's my conversation with my friend, Valeria Lipovetsky. I am obsessed with this podcast setup that you have. I literally set it up two days ago. It's fantastic. It's because the first season of my podcast, when I was looking back, I'm like, oh, wow, it looks like I didn't really try, you know? It looks really nice. And like you have a full HD camera recording you right now. Yes, correct. No, I'm telling you, I we went from like doing the least to doing the most. There's no in between. No, you're doing the most. Like <laughs> I've had this podcast for like four years almost, and I have never had this set up in my home. 
I, for those of you listening right now that are like, what's going on? She's literally in this like perfect studio setting right now. Like as if I was in the Dear Media studio in my house. Like you are HD, crystal clear. Your audio is probably better than mine. You look fabulous. Thank you. I appreciate it. I wanted to be ready for you. So how are you? I haven't seen you in a while. What's new? A lot of things are new. I feel like in this life, every day I wake up and there's like new things, new projects, new, you know, new ideas coming to mind. So busy in the best way possible. I love that. That's actually my favorite thing about our industry is that I don't really feel like I'm following a linear path. I feel like every day I can wake up and have this idea. And if I like it enough, I actually have the ability to potentially make it come to life. And if it fails, okay, it fails, but at least I was able to try. And I don't think that you have that freedom and flexibility in a lot of other industries. Not at all. And it actually took me a little while to be okay with the amount of change and, you know, flexibility that it requires because I'm a full-blown Virgo on every single part of like earth, air, ground, whatever it is. So for me, I'm like, I need the plan for this whole year, what's happening every second, what to expect. And I feel like I've been doing social media now for about seven years. And I'm just like, okay, I think I'm coming to terms with the fact that it's just not going to be that way. Not at all. I think a lot of people have that misconception about a job in social media. Nothing is consistent ever. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. jobs, income, views, reach, shares, impressions, like it it just nothing is consistent in this industry. And I think that's why it's important to be so flexible. Yes, it's that (laughs) every single day. But I love it. And I think that, you know, I often think that it's not a coincidence that I found myself in this profession because I was, again, so rigid. And it's funny because as you get older, you become more and more of an adult. And, you know, I'm a mother of three kids. So it's like every single day of my life, I have to be an adult. And I'm so happy that I have this career that requires me to play and be flexible and have fun. Because if I don't do that, then the content is just not it. Like no one wants to listen to another adult with so many responsibilities complaining about it, right? So you really have to find that like spark within you And I love that this really pushes me every single day to find that. I love doing this podcast every week, but I specifically love when I get to do it with people who are my friends, my peers, people that I admire, because it forces me in an amazing way to really get to research my friends and learn more about them and things that maybe I would never get to know about you just sitting at lunch with you. And I Mm -hmm. actually stumbled upon a almost two hour video of you and your husband on his podcast. And Mm -hmm. I loved everything you guys talked about. I actually watched the whole thing. Oh, wow. (laughs) Thank you. Of course, I loved actually getting to know more about you and where you are from and hearing your really incredible nonlinear journey to doing what it is that you're doing today. And that's something that I really love to dive into and I love to advocate for this like really nonlinear path. I think people think, oh, like I'm going to graduate college and go straight into social media. I'm going to do social media forever. But that wasn't Mm -hmm. what worked for me and so many other peers of mine who have found success in this industry. It was throwing pasta at the wall and seeing what's stuck. And it was trying this job and this job and this job and kind of refining your voice and your interests to being able to get to Mm -hmm. a point and say, okay, I have a point of view. Like I have an opinion. And I think that's the most important thing as a creator. So 100%. All to say, I loved getting to hear about you. And I would love if you could share a little bit about 
where you're from and how you got into fashion. I was born in Russia and I moved to Israel with my mother when I was two years old. So I grew up and spent most of my adolescence in Israel. At the age of 20, my mother moved to Canada. But with fashion, I actually started it while I was in Israel at about age 15. I was, I wouldn't even say scouted, but discovered by my mother in a way, because she just decided to put my bat mitzvah photos out on like this contest that was happening. And it was actually, it was run by elite models in Israel. So she was just like, let's just try, you know, and I was the most shy, insecure, like modeling was the furthest thing you could place me in. But it was online, right? So she just submitted the photo. She's like, oh, you know, you, you never know. And for me, my goal was to at the age of 16, when I turned 16 to find a job like all of my friends, and I was really eager to work in McDonald's. And when my mother heard that, she's like, I'll make a deal with you. If this competition, if you don't win or if, you know, nothing is going to come out of it, you can go and work at McDonald's. But if something is happening here, we're going to go and explore it. I was like, no problem. I got this. Like, I'm getting my dream job in McDonald's. No problem. And obviously, this is where the world is such an has amazing plans for you. I won that competition and that kind of exposed me to the modeling world and the industry as a whole, I was very much kind of screaming and kicking while finding myself in the modeling industry. Because again, it didn't come naturally to me, not something that I truly wanted because I really did not think I have what it takes to be part of that world. And just to have a mother like mine, she was always very go where it feels uncomfortable, like go and try to see how you can grow. There's a reason why you're resistant to this. And she honestly thought like, this is going to be a great way for you to get out of your shell. And that's kind of how my modeling journey started at the age of 16. And I just remember every time I used to go to castings, I was like, absolutely, this is not happening. There's all these gorgeous models, all this, you know, experienced models. And she's like, just go, just go and believe, you know, something's going to happen. And I slowly started landing more and more jobs, which added more to my confidence and uh, started showing me the world. And I just learned so much about myself. When I was 16, my mother then moved to Canada with my brother. I decided to stay in Israel because at that point I was already, I already kind of had a career. I was providing for myself financially and I was traveling in Europe for work. So I really got to get into that adulthood earlier on through modeling and just see so much of the world and so much of myself through it. I feel like I learned the most about myself when I put myself in really uncomfortable positions in my early 20s and late teens at different jobs. Even if Mm -hmm. it wasn't something that I wanted to do, I feel like I tried so many different jobs just to understand how I reacted to that thing, if I liked it, what I learned from it. And I feel like doing all those things helped me chip away at like, I sometimes compare it to like a sculpture. Like I feel like with every job that I have, I was like chipping away the things that I didn't like to get to the thing that I really loved. A hundred percent. But you know what? Now that I'm a mother, I kind of look back and I get to appreciate my mother's courage because it's scary. You know, it was a world that you never know 
what's going to happen, right? If you don't have a strong character, if you don't have the right people around you, you can go to in a different direction. And I unfortunately have a lot of friends that I've met that ended up in like in the wrong, on the wrong side of that industry. So I really commend her for that. And I'm sure that she, I mean, we spoke about it recently and she's like, just so you know, I haven't slept like for years since the day you started modeling and traveling. Cause I was traveling alone. We couldn't afford her coming with me. She was like, I did not sleep. So you owe me a lot of Botox appointments. <laughs> I mean, I, my mom wouldn't even sleep until I like got home from a friend's house. So I can totally imagine. We'll be right back after a quick break. As many of you guys know, I am getting married next year. And in that process, I have been looking for some beautiful vintage pieces to be able to put in for my wedding. Whether it's a gorgeous shoe or a gorgeous bag or even a dress that I want to wear for one of the events, I have been on the hunt for really amazing vintage pieces. And of course, my go-to is eBay. I love going to eBay first because they have an authenticity guarantee. So I know that anything I'm looking at, if it has the authenticity guarantee checkmark, it is 100% real. It goes through an authentication process. So buyers know they're getting exactly what they're described in the listing. I love knowing that I'm shopping there with confidence and knowing that all my purchases are backed by the authenticity guarantee and have been verified by the best authenticity experts in the industry. Now, I am obviously looking for things for the wedding, but you guys can look for things like sneakers, watches, handbags, jewelry, and streetwear. They have a very specific team who every item gets sent to, personally inspected, checks it against the listing, and authenticates it. They're talking every inch, stitch, tick, facet, clasp that make that piece that you're searching for worthy of your collection. eBay's authenticators are experts in their craft. They are true connoisseurs. And as leaders in the fields, they are there making sure that your items always arrive as authentic as your style. So go ahead, get that piece you've always wanted and leave it up to the meticulous size of the eBay authenticators to make sure that that watch movement is original, that glimmer is real gold, that rare sneaker is legit, or maybe that pearl earring I'm thinking of for the wedding is really real and you'll never get faked over again. In a world full of fakes, it's time to get real with eBay Authenticity Guarantee. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal with eBay Authenticity Guarantee because everyone deserves real. Visit ebay.com for terms. There's an outfit for fall that I simply cannot get out of my head and I cannot wait to wear it. I love it so much. I actually even styled it in my last Today Show segment, but it is a pair of trousers, preferably cream, with a button down. You can pick any color. I want to wear like a blue and white button down, but a yellow would look cute. An all white would look cute. Even like a taupey color would look cute. And then paired with a really cute pair of loafers. The ones that I currently have on repeat are from Bionic and they are the LED loafer. They're the perfect loafer for fall. They have a lug sole on the bottom so you can pretty much walk anywhere. Then they also have this really cute chain detail on the front. I love a little bit of like a gold touch on a loafer. Pair it with some earrings so cute. If you guys haven't tried Bionic yet, I highly recommend getting a pair from them. They harness science to make shoes that bring balance from our lives, from our feet all the way up. And they're designed for dynamic movement so you feel energized and confident all day. Use my code FRIEND at checkout for free shipping at www.bionicshoes.com, V-I-O-N-I-C-S, H-O-E-S.com. They have everything from sneakers for long walks, smart casuals for the office, comfortable heels or slippers to recover, and of course, my new favorite loafers. But they offer shoes for every day, all day, and every occasion. And if you haven't tried yet, they have a 30-day risk-free trial. There's no reason to not buy, try, and return. Use my code FRIEND at checkout for free shipping at www.bionicshoes.com, V-I-O-N-I-C-S, H-O-E-S.com. Enjoy. 
I would love to hear how you went from modeling to content creation, because I think especially for creators of our generation, the like origin story is all really different. Yeah, it was really weird. So kind of to continue the story, I was modeling and then I moved to Canada to join my mother and brother and I met my husband, got married. And at that point, I've realized, okay, modeling is not really happening for me anymore. And to be quite honest with you, I by no means was... I was doing well. I was making money, but like most girls, I was just doing commercial work and I knew that there's an end to it, right? You either hit it big in modeling or you kind of like stay on the surface in a way. And I just knew that, okay, I am not going to be this huge worldwide known model, which is great. What's next? And when I met my husband, it was another kind of period in my life where I was thinking, okay, what should I do next? What's interesting to me? And I actually decided to pursue holistic nutrition. And I went into holistic nutrition thinking that, okay, this is going to be my direction. I've already through modeling been exposed to, you know, healthy eating and just like the wellness routines of it all. And I decided to learn more. I was also started having my kids. I was pregnant with my first and I did that. And when I finished nutrition school, I got my diploma. I was like, I'm going to open an office and see people. And I did that for about two weeks. And then I came back and I was like, I hate talking to people. I hate this so much. Uh, This one-on-one interaction. I gave it a shot. This one-on-one interaction just truly felt so unproductive, if that makes sense. So then that's kind of when I got exposed to social media. I already had this background in nutrition and I had background in fashion and modeling. And I'm like, okay, how do I bring that information to a wider audience? And my first platform that I was actually exposed to was uh, YouTube. So when I went on YouTube, starting to kind of look at different videos, I all of a sudden realized that there's a whole network of creators. Like I was not aware of it at all, right? I was I was busy getting married, having kids. Like social media was 2017. I had Instagram, but it wasn't like this ever consuming, like where all the information came from, for me at least. So when I started getting into YouTube, I was like, oh my God, there's people sharing their whole worlds out there. Like there's, it's insane. And that made me really nervous. And again, gave me that like resistant feeling. And Mm. and then it activated my need now to lean into it because it felt so scary to me. So that was kind of the beginning for me. I started with vlogging and I was doing nutrition videos. I started doing makeup, just anything and everything while trying to understand who I am on the platform how to do this thing. I mean, I was teaching myself how to edit and upload and SEO and all these things. I already had my two kids. How? It was, how? It was I was very determined. And honestly, YouTube is such an amazing resources resource yes. for all this information. So I was literally like, while trying to upload my YouTube video, I was searching on YouTube being like, how do I edit a video? How do I upload a video? How do I do this? So it really taught me, first of all, that I am so capable and I was very resourceful at the time. And it also showed me that I really want this. And this is something that I'm interested in doing because there's a lot of work to do when you want to create content and to be consistent with it is a whole other thing. 
So that was kind of the beginning of my journey. It started on YouTube, then it went into Instagram and all these other platforms that new platforms that pop up every single week. And here we are. I love that you're saying that YouTube was a big help for you because anytime someone asks me whether they want to get into content or start any other business, kind of what the two, what like the most important things are in the beginning, I say, watch a ton of YouTube videos because that's what I did four years ago when I started a podcast and it was not as normalized as it is now. I watched Mm -hmm. hours of YouTube videos, how to use a controller, how to use Zoom, how to use all these things, and then to get a good lawyer. I was in school when I went off on my own. I was in college and my college law professor ended up being the lawyer that like did all the paperwork for me to start an LLC and totally set me up and gave me so much knowledge as to how to properly run a business. And Mm. I think those two things for me were invaluable. They set me up for so much success. A hundred percent. I mean, I didn't have a lawyer, but I had my husband that is very savvy and he recognized this opportunity. And I remember when he came to me in 2018, he was like, because he has background in internet marketing and he looked at what I was doing and he's like, this is a huge thing. Like this is the next wave of media. Like there is no media stronger than this. And, you know, back then, I mean, I wasn't, I started it more as a self development project in a way because I needed to push myself to get out of my comfort zone. I by no means started it thinking, oh, this is going to be a business. But having him kind of come in and look at everything that was going on, he was able to recognize that there's a huge potential. And we started building this as a business early on. So that obviously helped a lot with just building a business that has longevity to it, right? That was very important. So that satisfied my Virgo self. I was like, okay, this is something, there's some structure, you know, things are, things are looking like official. So on the note of hearing your husband say, okay, this is a real business. There's something really unique about you that I haven't seen in a lot of creators. And it's something I deeply admire. And I definitely want to dive into because I feel like there's so much to learn from this. When I had emailed you to come on the podcast, I think like six other people joined the email to organize this meeting for you. And Mm -hmm. I had started to go through and see everyone's signatures. I think you are maybe one of the only creators that actually runs your business like a true business. You have like a CEO, you have like a videographer, people that are working for you full time to create Mm -hmm. what we see is multiple pieces of content every single day. And, you know, this is something that I, I am deeply curious about. And I know so many people who want to get into this industry are. And I'd love to hear your journey and what your thought process has been in creating this team. So I would love to hear that experience. Yes. You know what? I feel like I used to talk about it a little bit more earlier on in the content creation, even two, three years ago, I was sharing more, but I feel like there is a lot of people ask me this questions because now I haven't been sharing as much. And we have, we literally built a company structure that will be able to support my personal brand. And we really took a bet on, bet on it because we started doing it about three years ago. And obviously that started once we saw that, okay, this is a healthy business. We have a healthy amount of revenue. We know what to expect. We can reinvest in the business. So for us, again, because we're thinking 
long term and how we can develop this and how we can make it stick for a long time, we really started looking into ways to create a structure that can support me because something that, and I'm sure you know, you know, as a creator, you feel like you're pulled in so many different directions and you do so much and running a business, it's like you have to switch from your left brain to the right brain in a matter of seconds. And then add on, you know, me also raising three children and I have a husband and I have a household and I have all these other adult life that's going on. So there was a bit of push for me in the beginning because I was like, how can we create a whole company just around me? Like, that doesn't make sense. I feel like it takes away some credit from what I'm doing here. But with the years, I've realized that if I want to go as far as I'm going to go, I need a whole team around me. And if I want to raise healthy, sane children, I need a team around me. So all these things kind of pointed to, okay, we got to work and build it like we got we to gotta build an infrastructure. So. Three years ago, we decided to hire a CEO, Rachel, who she actually came from a really big tech company. So another thing that was very interesting, like you said, there are not a lot of people that have been doing this long enough to understand how this works. This is kind of like you're flying the plane while building it type of business, right? This industry is exactly that. So we knew that we're not going to find people that have the exact tools that we need, but we knew what to look out for in terms of things that they must have, if it's work ethic, if it's, uh, you know, vision, things like that. And uh, we found Rachel and she came in three years ago and really helped to build out this company. I wanted to automate in a way, the way I create content, because before that it was just so frazzled and so all over the place. And I would have burnouts like every two weeks and that's not sustainable. And we really brought in a structure where, you know, we have a producer, and she's in charge, Megan, which she was probably on the email. She's in charge of the schedule of all the content, making sure that I'm not double booked or triple booked, making sure that all our responsibilities for our brand partners are fulfilled. Any creative ideas I have, I just call her, send her a voice note, and she makes sure that she scheduled this in. Because again, I'm flying like a thousand miles a second. So I want to make sure that all these things don't get dropped out. So we built kind of a creative team around me, which is Megan, who is the producer, like I mentioned, Jessica, who is my social media manager, and that we have one videographer. And that's how we work. And I have my assistant, Celine, and this is my department that I run. Where we brought Rachel in was to run everything else that is kind right. of business related operations right like we're talking about hr we're talking about finance we're talking about legal we're talking about anything to do like creating process in the company have company culture because that's something that's important to me i realized that it's funny to even look at it that way because again this is all these people around one person but i truly believe this is the future like Creator economy is where it's at. And I think more and more people are going to build these companies around themselves. There's already a few of them, obviously, but more and more people will create these companies and build these infrastructures in order to create long-term business. And that's kind of what we've done here. I completely agree with you. I think that is the long game. I think Mm -hmm. what people don't realize is from start to finish of Let's even say just a job, a brand, you know, a branded partnership. 
the amount of different skill sets that go into making that partnership come to life is way beyond the capacity of a single creator. There are so many different departments from legal, contracts, creative, execution, and then not even that, just getting it up, engaging with your community. See, Mm -hmm. like all of those moments are what a major brand does on a daily basis with like a 12-person team. We'll be right back after a quick break. Podcasts and furniture rentals. Turns out you can have both on demand. How you listen to this show could be how you furnish where you live. Think about it. You press play whenever you want. And with Court Furniture Rental, you rent furniture when you need it and return it when you don't. Go to court.com to access their online showroom. And within as few as 48 hours, you could have a fully furnished apartment. I'm based in Los Angeles and they have a Court Furniture Rental right here in my neighborhood, five minutes away. I so seamlessly went into their store. They have the nicest team ever. They help you out with everything. And they have such an incredible selection from dining sets, bedroom sets, even office sets and art. So your place will feel like home instantly because they've got you covered. You likely don't own this podcast, so why own your furniture? Court lets you stay flexible and open to your next opportunity. Plus, by renting, you're supporting a more sustainable way of living, keeping furniture out of landfills, and reducing your carbon footprint. So whether you're moving away for school this fall, starting a new job, just wanting to move cities, or starting fresh somewhere else, I highly recommend checking out Court Furniture Rental because you'll be able to feel at home in no time with their incredible selection. And you won't have to be tied down by anything. So now this podcast has given you more than entertainment. It has given you the freedom by introducing you to Court. Visit court.com backslash podcast for furniture on your terms. That's C-O-R-T dot com backslash podcast for furniture rentals on your terms. Now let's get back to the show. I think the biggest barrier to entry is people's fear of investing in their own businesses. For you, what was kind of that that push where you were like, this is necessary? I was looking at the finances and we could definitely do it. I mean, I was all about, we don't have to earn as much, like let's put it back in the, into the business. And for me, even, you know, I'm thinking I want to be, I'm a legacy building creator. Like to me, that's what I want to build. I want longevity. And that requires me to think differently in the way we, you know, and what we invest in and the type of content I create. So it's, I have a very clear plan. And I think that's important today for creators to have, and I wouldn't say a clear plan because when you start, you don't know, but having somewhat of a plan works. But to answer your question, yes, it was finance one, but again, it's not guaranteed. You don't know. But that was my mindset, my legacy mindset. I'm like, okay, I really love this. I love creating content. I love storytelling. I love to talk about and share my own self-discovery journey. I love showing clothes. I love talking about fashion. And this is what I see myself doing in maybe different variations, but for the next like 10, 20 years. So in order to get there, if I continue with how I'm doing it right now, which back then I had one videographer myself and just like an assistant that was also doing some emails. I'm like, this is, I, I won't be able to progress. So I realized that, okay, we need to accelerate. We need to build kind of a, a, a machine here. And also to be honest with you, I am, I'm a creative. I am not an operation person. I've never had a business. I have the benefit of having my husband who is amazing in business to advise and, you know, be part of uh, certain things. But we really needed someone to come in and be like, hey, 
This is a team. We're going for it. This is the big vision and we're all working towards it. So to me, that was kind of my thought process that if I'm not going to do that, then I'm just going to stay here. And I don't know how long here will last. I want to talk about your content a little bit, because I think something that you do really well is you've created content that is easily recognizable and very unique to you. Like I know when I open my Instagram, I see you in your closet getting ready. And I know that I'm like instantly tuned into you, whatever you're getting ready for, for the day. And I think that's such a smart way to create a branding moment is like create this similar background, create this ambiance that immediately feels like I'm in your setting. I feel like recently we've lost this idea of needing to have like a quote unquote niche. Mm -hmm. And for me, I feel way more drawn to people that have like some sort of branded moment, like something that makes them uniquely them. It doesn't have to be a topic. It doesn't have to be a category, but I want something that feels like, okay, I'm tuned in. Here she is. Here are her kids. Like I know that I'm instantly on your page. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that creators need to have niches today? What do you think is most important? So when I started on Instagram, actually, I tried to, for literally two weeks, to do this niche thing where it's like color palette and all that stuff. And I literally was losing my freaking mind. (laughs) I hate it. It's like a trigger. It's a trigger thing for, I feel like, a lot of content creators. What I've realized is that even though niche was something that was like the number one rule back then... I knew that in order for me to continue and be engaged and create valuable content and add pictures of like my coffee mug, I cannot have a niche. I have my pillars. I know my, you know, my field where I play in, but I cannot have just one thing. So I think now the definition of niche kind of broadened and it doesn't have to be this one thing. And you also see a lot of people that been doing one thing now starting to look into other things because they're themselves get so bored and, you know, you feel like you're an autopilot. So I guess my recommendation and kind of where I see most people do it now is creating those pillars of being like, okay, I'm interested in fashion. I love wellness. I love this. And this is what I'm going to be talking about. And it gives you enough to play around with when you're sick of getting dressed or you're sick of cooking or, you know, so to me, that's where I think we are. But also it's very important to see what the audience reacts to. If you are a person that fashion is your niche, let's say, then you still want to keep that going. So for me, like fashion is one of my strongest things. And although I have all these other pillars, I keep fashion at, I would say, 70%, 70 to 80%. And then all these other things I sprinkle in and I give them 5% and 10%. And that's how I'm able to, you know, keep myself engaged, keep myself creative, but also give people what they're here to get. So that's very important. And I think that's, I would say, my biggest kind of advice. And I do see more and more people doing it. But yeah, but it can get tricky for a lot of creators because when they come in and they do something and then it goes viral, they start leaning so heavy into it and then they find themselves stuck. They're like, how do I get out of here? So you need a lot of discipline in content creation. And I think that a lot of people don't know that. You need a lot of discipline because you have to be aware of these traps, of the virality traps, you know, of this niche traps. You want to make sure that even the cadence of your content is something that you can keep up with and to, you know, create for a a long period of time. So 
there's now that I've been doing this for seven years, I, oh my God, I need to write a playbook. <laughs> I loved what you were just saying about, you know, don't get caught in the virality trap. For you, what makes something successful? Obviously seeing numbers feels great, but that doesn't always like resonate with me of like, oh, that worked. What, what for you really feels like, oh, this was a successful post. This really resonated with people. I mean, I have two answers to that because we are a very data-driven company. I'm a data-driven person. So I do look at things and I love when they resonate. And again, you know, just like I split my content when I'm like, oh, 70% this and the other is that. It's the same thing with what success looks like to me. To me, it depends on the content. Sometimes there's content that I look like, for me, these numbers, that's amazing. That's success. But on other, like, let's say I had a recent piece of content that came out and it's just me showing my dress that got popped through dinner, right? It like popped open right. while I was eating it my was dinner. It was so funny. <laughs> right. So to me, it's not like I poured my heart and soul into this video, right? It was just like a funny little moment. It got over like 17 million views, successful. But then I have posts where... I look at the caption and it's something where I really leave a piece, a piece of me on this post. I share a certain experience. I share a certain something that was important to me. And then success to me from those posts are when I get DMs or when I get my community engaged and feeling like, oh my God, this is, this left me with something. Like I have something to think about, you know, this reminded me of something that was stuck inside of me. That's success to me too. So I think it's, uh, it depends on the content. And that's, I think what keeps me excited is that I have different, I guess, benchmarks for what, whatever content I put out there. There was a post I know recently that also did really well, and it was you serving your three sons breakfast. And I cannot tell you, I watched that video multiple times. You know, for someone like me who's not a mom, like there was something about that video that I think just resonated with everybody that was so sweet and so every day. And I think also your sons are just so adorable. But, you know, it was just this everyday ordinary moment that I think people really love to see on the Internet. It was so raw, like nothing filtered. Yeah, it was that one actually caught me by surprise as well, because it was super random video that I took. And I think that, you know, for me, I love even learning about the psychology of people through the posts and through the things that I put out there, because you're like, oh, what resonated? Why it resonated? What are they talking about? Right. And I love that that video on different platforms resonated in different ways. So on YouTube, it got, again, like 15 million views and people were going in with, oh, this in my culture, this is what it's called. And in my culture, oh, it reminds me of my grandma was making these blinchiki. And so that was kind of like a, a trip down, you know, memory lane for certain people. And that was so cool to see. So to me, I think my biggest struggle now as a content creator is to actually not overthink because I would never looking at that piece of content, I would have never been like, wow, this is going to remind someone of their grandmother 30 years ago. You know what I mean? We'd like, for me, I would, I always push to like do better and more value. And sometimes that value, in my opinion, is visual where sometimes it's just that raw, simple moments. And you really have to like, make sure that you are very aware and present in order to recognize the small moments. So that was a lesson that I was left with after posting that video. I was like, wow, you know, like I have to go back to these 
small moments because that's really what resonates with certain people and makes them feel some kind of nostalgia and anyways it was you see that one literally video 15 seconds i was sitting and thinking about it and for literally a week i love that i mean you're someone who clearly has had immense success on multiple different channels tiktok youtube instagram are you creating different content for all of them or are you just i have a dedicated plan but again it's kind of this balancing all these platforms sometimes you know one falls down like now i feel like we're really working on a plan for youtube because youtube was my original you know platform that i went into and i we had a plan and then our attention went into instagram so now i'm like wait i want to go back to that long form content so we're kind of shifting back we restructuring our flow and how we want to do things but in terms of content I think now after experimenting for a while, I know what I can use for like the same type of content will work for both TikTok and Instagram or shorts and Instagram. So we definitely repurpose certain content. I'm also huge into bringing old content back and repackaging it up in a different way. To me, that's like one thing I literally want to scream the top of my lungs to all my creator friends, right? That've been creating for years and just be like, you have, you're sitting on so much content and there's so many different ways to repackage it, tell a story, grab like a moment out of like a different video and make it relevant again. There's so much of that. And that's a skill on its own, by the way. And that's also something I love to do. So we definitely play around and, you know, get to be, extremely creative but yeah i repurpose certain content for sure what's your favorite thing about what you do my favorite thing about what i do is i i think that it's like leaving people with the feeling i think that what really really resonates with me and i really appreciate when people take the time to dm me or leave a comment and you know share that you know it made them laugh or made them cry or they sent it to their mother or they watched this video with their family like that really makes me so happy. When I first started creating, I was creating by myself at home. I was in Toronto, Canada back then, and the industry there is smaller. I wasn't going to any events or fashion weeks or anything like that. It was really just like me and the camera and how I can tell a story, how can I communicate. So I really felt that like that satisfaction I felt from the get-go. And I feel like that's my why. It became my why. And it still is my why. But now, you know, I, it always goes back to that. Like, how did I make people feel that stopped by my page today? I love that. I love this conversation. Thank you so much for coming on. I feel like I learned so much about you. And also, there were so many good gems for people out there who want to get into content creation or are even creating content now. So thanks for taking the time and being here. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I love chatting with you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Friend of a Friend. Before you go, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at tiermedia.com. And for more behind the scenes of the show, visit us at friendofafriend.us and follow me at Liv Perez on Instagram. Don't forget the two Vs. See you next week. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.